This program is brought to you by SoundsTrue.com. At SoundsTrue.com, you can find hundreds of downloadable audio learning programs, plus books, music, videos, and online courses and events. At SoundsTrue.com, we think of ourselves as a trusted partner on the spiritual journey, offering diverse, in-depth, and life-changing wisdom. SoundsTrue.com. Many voices, one journey. You're listening to Insights at the Edge. Today my guest is Sanatam Kar. Sanatam is an American artist raised in the Kundalini Yoga tradition, schooled in kirtan, meditation, and gurmukhi, the Sanskrit-based language of Sikh scriptures from northern India. She has released eight records and is the lead singer for the Celebrate Peace Tours. With Sounds True, Sanatam has released a compilation of her favorite sacred chants for healing called The Essential Sanatam Car. Sanatam was also a featured presenter at Sounds True's inaugural Wake Up Festival and is a confirmed presenter for the 2013 Wake Up Festival, which takes place August 14th to the 18th in Estes Park, Colorado. In this episode of Insights at the Edge, Sanatam and I spoke about her bottom line in terms of daily meditation practice and the mantra that has been the go-to mantra for her in her life. We also talked about her experiences of being chiseled down in her relationship with her spiritual teacher and how being a mother and a wife keeps her ego in check. We also talked about the experience of kundalini awakening and we listened to excerpts from three songs from the essential Sanatam Kar. Here's my conversation with a woman whose voice is so pure and truly touches my heart, Sanatam Kar. I want to begin, Sanatam, with talking about devotion and what devotion is for you. I think a lot of times when people hear that word, it has all different kinds of associations. Some people connect directly at the heart. They have a sense of being devoted in their lives. I think other people have some idea that it's like, oh, that's for you know lost puppies who have to be devoted because they don't know where else to go or something like that. And I'd like to know more from your experience, the inner experience of devotion for you. Um, I I feel like devotion is um, a choice. Um, it's a you know in our lives we we have the opportunities um, to um, connect to the divine or to connect to the earth plane, um, and. You know, while it's important to to have that connection to the earth plane, sometimes we can get caught in it um, too much as the you know emotions of life and um, the um, kind of the aims of the earth. You know, having having a house, having a home, having food and money and cars, and and it just kind of goes on and on and on. Um, you know, 
and 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 it's um you know having the earth elements balanced is great but um if we don't connect to the divine then then that um existence can just um revolve around the earth elements and the 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 desires of the world and um so to me really devotion is um you know having the consciousness to to connect with the divine and the more that you connect with that um divinity um the more devoted you know you are and it's an incredible practice um I feel like devotion definitely exists um, within uh, religious rituals, and sometimes, it, many times, it doesn't. We get too caught in the rituals, but we can bring devotion into our religious paths. We can bring devotion into our churches and temples and synagogues, um, and also we can bring devotion into our um, into our daily lives um, so that we are connecting to the divine, you know, as we're making our uh, lunch for our daughter or um, working or um, cleaning the house or driving or all of the things. Um, And to me, the ultimate ideal is to just be in devotion, in a state of devotion all the time. And I by no means am there yet, um, but I've had really great teachers in my life show me that it's possible, and I work towards that goal. What do you mean, Sanatam, connecting to the divine? What does that mean to you? Um, it just simply means that, you know, that realizing that there's spirit, that there's divine, there's grace, there's light. Um, Oftentimes for me, it's a matter of closing my eyes and taking a deep breath and remembering the presence of God. Um, You know, I know that um, especially in yoga, as we expanded out to more of the mainstream um, audiences, people have taken the word God out, which I understand, you know, it's not um, a religion in that sense, and, 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 and it's for people of all walks of life. Um, you know, however, I feel like that is... Um, the key element is just God, with a capital G, a capital O, and a capital D. Um, that God is real, and for people of all walks of life, it's that that um, that space that you come to realize that everything is connected. And when I do my meditation practice um, in the morning um, and in the night, I definitely connect with that, where that sense of consciousness where everything is connected, where everyone's lives in some way is connected, where all events are in our lives are 
in some way moving towards bringing us into more consciousness of of God, of of divine grace, of the perfection of our souls and what we came on this earth to learn. Um, so for me, this you know this connection is it's like a really a breath of a fresh air because in it's to me I find in the separateness um, in feeling that we're alone and feeling that uh, we are not connected that that's where the the real anxiety exists and the frustration and and everything so connecting in this way in this larger sense is um is really what keeps me afloat uh keeps me in a state of positivity mm-hmm. um amidst a kind of struggle of life you know mm-hmm. um and you know we all have to live on this earth we have to um deal with gravity we have to deal with the fact that we're um you know growing either as children or adolescents or early 20s and then and then experiencing the the gradual decay of you know falling back into the earth as we get older with our physical bodies but you know in no sense should any stage any physical stage um bring us down um in terms of our spirit and our positivity. And so for me, connecting with the divine is the absolute way and technique um, to remain young at heart, young in spirit, um, through all of the transitions and phases of life. Now, you mentioned your morning and evening practice. And in preparing for this conversation, I was reading some interviews with you online. And in one of them, you mentioned that you practice 90 minutes a day, and that it's something that you really stick to, and it's not something that you often miss. And I'd love to hear you talk about that, because I think for many people, that's very hard, sticking with a daily practice. And here you are, you're a mom, you're a traveling musician, under a lot of stresses, I'm sure, with your career and the demands on you. How do you do it, Sonatum? <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I, um, I kind of figured out, you know, what my bottom line was, um, in my life, and and actually, my bottom line was 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 a lot less than ninety minutes. <laughs> my bottom line is that I, no matter what, I need thirty minutes of of yoga and meditation, and this was like, this was about. Two years ago, after I had experienced having a, a baby and being on the road as a touring musician, and my daily practice just kind of, you know, evaporated. <laughs> um, and, you know, in that sense of experiencing it, it evaporating, I, I also had to kind of let go. And and as I was holding my baby or nursing, I, I would then take the opportunities to chant and meditate and and I and to you know as I was making um, my daughter's meals or fixing meals for my my husband or cleaning the house that I started to integrate the chanting in my daily practice um, into that. Um, so in that sense, I did experience kind of a 
a loss of control. You know, that's, I think, a lot of new moms and new parents talk about that. But in, in the sense of that, it was a total spiritual experience because then I realized that having this child was, was divine and that I could incorporate my practice in many new ways. And um, But then after my daughter was about two, I said, oh, my God, you know, I need this. And I figured out my bottom line, and it was, I, I've got to have a half hour of yoga every day. Um, and it was amazing. I made the choice in my mind, and um, and then I was able to do it. I was like, I have to have a half hour. And, and it was like time and space moved for me. And whatever it was, my daughter would, you know, not wake up and, I was able to wake up before her and I I got in my half hour or, you know, I was able to do it while she was playing or, and then from this experience of, oh my God, I can, I can, you know, time and space can move once I make a decision in my mind. Um, then I was able to, you know, move my, my daily practice back up, back up, back up. And now I'm back to the 90 minutes I, you know, in the morning and, and a good practice at night as well. I mean, my family and I, we don't go to sleep without chanting. It's also, it's like more of a practical thing for me. Um, I don't do it because I think I should. Um, I do it because it's it's a cleansing experience. Um, it's like brushing my teeth in the morning. Um, you know, I just... I don't go out of the house without brushing my teeth. I, and, and likewise, I don't go out of the house without doing my daily practice. And um, my spiritual teacher used to talk about it a lot. He said, you know, having a meditation practice is like, you know, um, sorry for for saying this, but kind of just he said it first, and it makes a lot of sense, but um, it's like cleaning the toilet bowl. Um, you literally are cleaning out your subconscious. And... And um, whether it be, you know, from traumas and dramas of of the day before, or or that or that night, or twenty years before, or maybe lifetimes before, God only really knows that you are cleaning out the subconscious. And 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 this is now not only a service to your own soul and your soul's experience on the planet, but then a service to your family, and then to your work and then to everything that you do. Um, so it's it's incredibly important in that sense, you know, to wake up, to have that experience, to clean myself out um, on a subconscious and a conscious level. And um, then at night, you know, to go to sleep at night. Um, you know, you asked me as a touring musician and with a career and everything. Yeah, I mean, the stresses are are definitely there as they are with, you know, just life, um, you know. Um, but that's how that's how I create home for me. If I'm traveling on the road, I chant until I absolutely feel surrounded and protected by love and light, um, you know, in some hotel room and God knows where, you know, and, and it works. Um, I, do, I do feel that sense of, of sanctuary and sanctity. And then at home with my with my family, um, we chant every night, and it it um, it brings such a sense of 
uh, relaxation. I mean, just allows the mind to turn off and allows you to to go to sleep. So for me, it's it's all very practical. Um, some people talk about a daily practice, like, oh, I should be doing this or I should be doing that. And it's more of once you've experienced the lightness and the joy that a daily practice brings, then you just, you're addicted, you're hooked. You know, um, why would you want to live life any other way um, once you've experienced that? So that's really where it comes from for me. Now, one thing I'm curious about, in just a moment we're going to hear an excerpt from one of your songs from the Sounds True release, The Essential Sonatum Car. But before we do, I just want to hear your answer to this question, which is the connection for you in the voice as part of your practice, the chanting part. What happens for you when you're chanting in terms of this connecting with the divine? Sort of the internal experience. Yeah. Well, I've always really connected with my voice um, as a part of my spiritual practice. It kind of um, engages my my entire being, engages my mind, and especially with the with the chants, with the mantras. Um, it's a way for my mind to turn off and for me to to experience, you know, to get into that state of devotion. Um, and it's also, you know, in that same sense as a mother, you know, sings to her baby. It's, it's like when we chant, we, we sing to our souls and we bring comfort to our souls. Um, and my teacher, Yogi Bhajan, talked about this often, that um, your most healing um, technique for yourself is the sound of your own voice chanting sacred mantras. Um, we, you know, listen to our voices throughout the day in conversation or, or whatnot. But when you listen to yourself chanting um, these sacred mantras, it just resets the frequency of your life, I feel, and um, brings you back to, again, to that state of devotion. And if you could introduce for us, if you would, Japman Satnam, which is the song we're going to hear a piece of. Yes. Um, well, that's perfect for just given what we have um, talked about. It means, oh, my mind, uh, meditate on the name of God. Um, let this be your vibration. Uh, so, you know, our minds often have um, thoughts going on. Sometimes they can be negative thought patterns. Um, sometimes they can be destructive thought patterns. Um, and what's really amazing is to discover that our minds are truly, um, you know, just filled with these thought patterns. And if we can change the frequency of those thought patterns and bring in positive vibrations, then we can essentially change the frequency of our lives and live in more positive energy and more grace and awareness. And so this chant is is saying, oh, my mind, meditate, vibrate in God's name. And, you know, in this sense, it's, uh, you know, attracting the energy of love and light 
um, into your uh, into your mind. Uh, so that's what this whole chant is about: is, is it, you know, and asking for the grace of the divine to to really give you that um, that vibration, you know, because to to break the the um, hypnosis, uh, the cultural hypnosis of all the things we should be thinking about, and um, to break our ancestral hypnosis, um, to break our the karmas that we come into this life with, our what our soul has come into this life with, to change that frequency is that's huge. Um, so this chant is really a prayer and asking the divine, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to to be in that state of grace. Um, you know, like the Dalai Lama, like Mother Teresa, like um, any enlightened being that has graced this planet is really essentially a frequency of the mind where uh, the mind is connected to, to the divine all the time. Let's listen from the Essential Sanatam Car.
Amazingly soothing. You made that comment that your teacher, Yogi Bhajan, described chanting as a, a way of soothing the soul, something like that. What were your exact words, Sanatam? Oh, <laughs> yeah, he, he talked about um, chanting, meditation, all of these things as a way to, to really cleanse the subconscious. And, um, you know, as we we chant, we're definitely relaxing, um, relaxing the our brain frequencies on a very scientific level. Um, a lot of studies being done at MIT and other institutions showing this. Um, and then also on a subconscious level, we're releasing a lot of energies, um, so bringing us back into um, divine grace, divine state. But he described chanting and meditation as like cleaning the toilet bowl. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> you know, and uh, and uh, really um, bringing yourself to, to a clean slate, you know, and that sense that um, everyone has, he used to always say, every, everyone has the birthright to be happy. Um, so, yeah, this chanting, I really feel has has that capacity to bring you back to a state of health, a state of happiness, a state of being whole. In your own practice, Sanatam, is there a mantra or a chant that's your sort of go-to mantra, the one that you return to at this point in your life? Yeah, um, at this point in my life and probably my whole my whole chanting life. Um, you know, the first the first mantra that I really, really connected with is like the major forklift to bring me out of any kind of um, negative energies or struggles with life that just uh, did the job no matter what. And that's the, the mantra, um, Guru Guru Wahe Guru, 
Guru Ram Das Guru. Um, when I was um, just after my my parents uh, got a divorce, and I was in my early teens, um, I remember chanting this, um, you know, every night, and it was just um, so powerful for me in that time. And so that from that point onwards, I just, um, you know, really connect with this. Um, and, and I chant it every night. I chant it every morning, actually. It's, it's like the, you know, probably the most chanted in my house, <laughs> um, all the time. And it's, it, it's like one of those, those chants that kind of just takes, takes out the nightmare, takes out the anxiety, takes out the sense of disconnection. Um, guru Guru Wahe Guru Guru Ram Das Guru means connecting to the the experience and the ecstatic experience of God's name, bringing us into the infinite grace of God's name, and then God Himself or Herself comes back uh, to serve you. Um, to serve the need of the time. And um, that's kind of the, the main, main essential core of this chant. And it, and it works. Um, it's, it's like, you know, my uh, vitamin C or, <laughs> you know, um, my, daily, my daily vitamin in terms of mantras. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, it's interesting. You've talked several times in different ways about frequencies and kind of getting out of despair or nightmarish and moving to a different frequency. And, and I wonder, being someone who's so attuned to sound, how you experience the world in terms of frequencies or sound vibrations. Yeah, I, I really, really connect with sound. It's, it's um, totally my teacher. Um, and I, I really go back to this, this, this time that, I don't know how it happened, but by some great miracle, I got to sit down next to my teacher after one of our religious services called Gudwara, as we have them in our Sikh practice. I got to sit down next to him, and everybody was being served food. That's how we finish our kind of that's where we finish our practice. Everyone eats together and we serve food. And everyone was um, sitting down and eating, and I was sitting down next to him. And I, you know, he, this is, you know, a spiritual master and with um, literally thousands and thousands of people across the planet um, who would call him every day or he would travel or you know, that would, that looked to him for advice. And so I was like, oh, my God, this is my opportunity. I'm sitting down next to him. What should I ask him? What should I ask him? And I had had all of these questions prepared. And, and in, the, in his presence, in his spiritual presence and who he was, I couldn't think worth a darn. I couldn't formulate any of my questions. And he um, he just looked over at me. And, you know, I was at the time like, uh, gosh, 19 years old, and and he's a very tall, tall yogi, um, six feet tall, kind of looked down at me and must have known what I was thinking, and he said, 
to stop. Because it was my mind was going, oh, my God, I don't have a question. I need a question. So just stop and and listen. And at that point, I listened. And I got into this meditative state, probably as I was sitting next to a master. And I was listening. And all around us, there was about, you know, like 60 people in, in this small little temple all eating, having their food together, talking to each other, you know, neighbors, friends, um, whatever. They just come to the weekly religious service and they were all talking and eating and talking and eating. And and I suddenly um, could hear that it wasn't just people talking and and the clinking of forks on the plates and all of this. But it was actually the flow of people's lives. And at that point, my teacher looked at me, and I don't know if he said it to me. I don't know if I had my eyes open or not. It kind of didn't matter. I was in just a state, you know, by his grace. And and he said, listen, it's all like a flow. It's It's a river. And I suddenly just, felt that flow and how people's lives are just flowing like rivers and how we choose to to flow and we flow through our voices we flow through our lives in that sense and um it was such a beautiful beautiful experience at that point to experience the flow of everyone's life um and this happened through the act of listening and of course, I was in the the presence of of a master. But um, since then, I've been able to to get back to that state, and I think that we can all be in that state of just listening. And when we really listen, we really understand that everyone is is experiencing their own flow and their own lives. And and in essence, when we when we do listen, we realize that we're all in flow. Um, together um, and uh, it's it's such an incredible experience um, and a, an experience of forgiveness an experience of, of understanding and of grace uh, to truly listen I'm so glad you shared that story because one of the things I've noticed in listening to you sing and also in listening to you speak is that there's an interesting silence in between your words and that I seem to hear as much in the silent spaces as I do in the words and sounds. And that's interesting to me. Yeah, I um, I had a really nice opportunity um, to listen to Ram Das. He's the author of Be Here Now when I was a teenager and um, he he was um, one of the founders of a, a youth organization that I was a part of called Creating Our Future and one of the things that he notably did and he still does and even more so these days is he's had a, a stroke and his life has totally changed but he would have these pauses you know um 
really long pauses, actually. Um, and it was so beautiful. And it really taught me a lot um, about that uh, state of listening and um, how we can do that for each other. Um, it's a gift. It's a real gift. We're going to listen, Sonatum, to another song from the essential Sonatum car, a piece of a song called By Thy Grace. And I wonder if you can introduce this song to us, and in that, maybe tell us a little bit more of your direct experience with your teacher and how that fits into the song By Thy Grace. Mm. Yeah, well, you had, you had mentioned... Um, you know, the term career, um, and then there's the term musician, and then there's the term singer, um, and all of these things are really, you know, important, and I, I identify with them. Um, but my teacher, he had me... Uh, I was sitting um, sitting on the floor. He was sitting on the couch, and he, he looked at me and said, what, you want to be a singer? And at that point, at that point in time, I had just started recording some of the chants, um, and I had been working for him at the uh, Peace Serial Company, a company that he founded where 10% of the profits went to um, peace organizations across the uh, United States. And so he had me there working as a cereal food technologist, and my music had just started to get out there, and people were saying, we want you to come, and oh, wow, this is great. And, and I was writing him regularly, saying, can I please go and sing and do this thing with so much positive energy coming, da, da, da. And he kept saying, you know, no, no, time's not ready, time's not ready. So I was sitting there, and and he looked at me and said, so you want to be a singer, huh? And, um, you know, and the, he was kind of teasing me in a teasing way. And, um That's all you want to be? Is a singer? And I closed my eyes at that point because I knew well enough <laughs> that he was teaching me something. And, and, and I realized, and he didn't have to say anything more, I realized that I could be so much more than just a singer that I could be so much more than just what the surface of my life was saying, this is what you should do. Um, that I could go beyond that singular identity. Um, that I could teach uh, yoga. I could teach meditation. I could serve in such a more expanded way um, than my limited mind was offering. Um, 
Um, and so from that experience, um, I, I took that consciousness into the concerts as such. And it's an interesting energy with the concerts because with CDs or concerts or whatnot, people have never heard these sacred chants before and they see your picture on a CD or they see your picture on a concert poster. They hear the CD or they go to a concert and they suddenly connect with their art and soul and have this amazing transformative experience. And then they put the credit onto that picture of whoever was on the poster or whoever was on the CD cover. Um, And at first it really, really, really freaked me out. (laughs) People were saying, oh, my God, you know, I, I had this amazing experience, and thank you so much. And I knew after years and years of getting hammered by my spiritual teacher and life itself that it was by no means me at all. And if I were to even take credit for it, I'd, I'd probably um, self-combust, um, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, manage that kind of energy, forget it. Um, that it was the sacred chants that were connecting people, that it was this energy of the divine um, who I was chanting to, the energy of God himself or herself. Um, and so, um, my soul really wanted to communicate the power and the, the energy and the realness of chanting God's name and, you know, just the fact that somebody came across a CD and you know, heard a chant and suddenly were he- you know had a healing experience. Like there was somebody who wrote in and said, "My husband, you know, went to Iraq and experienced the dramas and the traumas there, and was so uh, messed up from that experience, but couldn't cry, um, couldn't even cry, and then." They heard Ramadasa, this chant for healing, and for the first time, you know, on your CD, this chant for healing that that is calls on the, you know, the essence and the name of God and the energy of God, and they cried. They're able to. He was able to cry for the first time. So. Um, You know, I realized from that story and from others and from my own life experience that just even having the opportunity that this veteran was able to hear the chant was a miracle in and of itself. And given our planet, given what humanity is experiencing right now and the reality of life on this earth right now in our culture and all that we're experiencing that if somebody were to actually hear these chants 
that it's a miracle <laughs> in and of itself, and it's a grace. Um, because even if you don't consciously have a healing experience or you don't actually cry or you don't actually have some, you know, monumental kind of shift of consciousness, there's a little shift of consciousness always, no matter what, and that's the beginning of a major shift in consciousness. And I truly believe that these sacred chants serve that role. So somebody tells me, oh, my gosh, you know, your music got into, you know, American Airlines, um, you know, relaxing music to listen to while you're on the airplane. It's like, yes, because that means somebody's going to pick it up and hear these sacred sounds and uh, have an experience for sure. And so this became my prayer and to be able to communicate to people the real deal, what's really going on. And so this song was actually born from a concert experience where uh, with some really beautiful musicians, we just, uh, they started kind of creatively doing this particular tune, and I creatively um, came up with these words, probably out of the prayer of my own soul, wanting to communicate, it's essentially, by thy grace, it's by thy grace that I sing your holy name. And then the bridge is, one day, someday the day shall come when all the glory shall be thine. People will say it is yours, and I shall deny, not mine. And that's exactly what I, what I try to communicate to people all the time who come up to me after concerts and say, oh my God, you are an angel of light, or you are so wonderful, or you have brought me healing. And I say, actually, it's from the divine. It's something much greater than me. And, and I give that glory. I give that um, gratitude to that one who's really, really the one working here. Let's listen. It's by thy grace that I see. It's by thy grace that I see. It's by thy grace that I see your It's bad. 
The humility in that song is so heart-opening to me, so moving to me. And it makes me wonder, Sanatam, do you ever find yourself getting caught in its opposite, seeing yourself on the cover of a yoga magazine or something like that and saying, uh, yeah, but, you know, um, I kind of got it going on here. I mean, this is all coming through me. I mean, something like that. Oh, yes. I have to say it's like a, I mean, it's just ego and it's a daily um, process. I mean, it's not even just on the cover of, you know, some magazine. It's it's like, um, oh, I made such a good dinner for my family and... <laughs> Tonight isn't it good, guys? <laughs> and um, I think it's it's um, it's a real daily process. I love I love um, being a, a wife, being a mother, um, because it's a, it's such a chiseling of the ego in many sense, in many senses. Um, I think a lot of times when people see um, you know, uh, a cover of me, or, uh, a picture of me on a uh, CD or something or a newspaper article, they may not always relate to um, that I'm a mother, that I'm a wife. Um, and and this is, this is a huge, huge thing for me in terms of um, keeping my ego in check and keeping in check and keeping grounded. Um, you know, on the earth and, you know, also being a, a student of Yogi Bhajan, a spiritual master, he really um, was tough on me. <laughs> he must have seen um, what was to happen, uh, what was going to happen, because he was, oh God, tough as anything. I mean, I would hear stories of my friends who would go and see him and, and have counseling sessions with him, and so sweet and loving, and it was never like that for me. <laughs> I was like hammered, um, and I think my soul really needed it um, uh, to to really, you know, stay real with it. And you know, when things kind of come my way and you know successes, um, I always. I always take a deep breath beforehand and pray, dear God, please, you know, keep me, uh, keep me connected to Thy will, to Thy grace, to Thy love. And um, it's a continuous process, and I have by no means um, made it to the end of that uh, journey. Um, but I do. Uh, I've had enough experiences that are literally just pain <laughs> um, to know uh, to know to keep my ego in check um, to remain to connected to my soul um, and that's 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 my life that's what, how the way God wanted it I um, got chiseled in that way um, so I could serve in this way now. Um, it makes a lot of sense, you know. While while I was going through my difficult times in my my early childhood, and then you know, getting chosen by my spiritual teacher after that, and I didn't understand. 
Um, but now I do, and, um, you know, I feel like uh, in life when we have, it wasn't just my my spiritual teacher kind of chiseling me, it was, you know, my parents <laughs> going through a very painful divorce. It was having a first marriage that was really challenging. It was life itself that many of us experience. Um that brought pain into my life that um, that I navigated through with the power of chanting God's name with my yoga and meditation practice. And it gave me that sense of compassion, that sense of um, knowledge of what pain means. Um, and that touch of pain Honestly, that I feel to this day. I can't say that I don't remember the the painful experiences. I remember them. And it is through that, honestly, that I keep my head bowed um, in service to the one. Um, you know, because pain can come at any time to anyone, um, no matter how successful you are. Um and really what it comes down to is the state of your mind. And if you are in a state of grace and joy and happiness in your mind, you've got it. You've got the day. You've won the day. If you are in a state of pain and separateness and uh, victimization and all of those things, then you've lost the day. And it's as simple as that. It's really a day-by-day process for me. Um, So through enough (laughs) painful experiences of life, um, I've learned the importance of remaining connected in my mind um, to the one, and that that one will carry you, you know, across any challenge. Sanatam, before we end our conversation, I want to play one more excerpt, actually from the chant that you mentioned, the chant for healing, Rama Dasa. So we'll play an excerpt from that. But before we do, there's just one more topic I'd like to bring up with you, which is here you are, you're part of a kundalini yoga tradition. And I think there's quite a bit of confusion that a lot of people have about what is kundalini? What is kundalini awakening? Has my kundalini awakened or not? Is it something that once it happens, it's forever open and awake? And I'm wondering if you can shed some light on this from your experience as a kundalini yoga practitioner. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, kundalini yoga really works with the energy of the spine. If somebody were to kind of ask for a really short synopsis, it would be to raise the energy of the spine and purify the energy of the spine. And this is where the kundalini awakening really happens. Um, And we practice a lot of um, movement postures utilizing our entire body, a lot of breath work and chanting, um, but essentially it comes back to the spine and 
where all the chakras, all of our energy centers um, sit. And um, the, uh, the chakras, you know, relate to the first chakra, which is your capacity to eliminate um, right at your anus, second chakra is the sexual organs, the, the creativity, the element of water, third chakra is at the navel center, which is the being grounded, being on this earth, being present, being courageous, energy of fire. Um, fourth chakra is at the heart center, uh, opening out to compassion and kindness. Fifth chakra is at the throat center, our capacity to communicate. Sixth chakra is your intuition at the third eye point, the point between the eyebrows, and the seventh chakra is at the crown chakra at the top of the head. And so Kundalini Yoga, when you when you practice a specific set, and, and what we practice are sets, thousands and thousands of sets given by Yogi Bhajan. When you practice, uh, my experience with any set as taught by Yogi Bhajan in this Kundalini form, um, it awakens your kundalini and it's an interesting thing because a lot of people um have you know kind of the fireworks idea of oh my gosh you awakened your kundalini and you know tons and tons and a big light show and all this to me it's a very gentle sweet experience um kundalini actually means the lock of the beloved as in a, a curl a lock you know, a strand of curly hair <laughs> of the beloved. And it's a very gentle energy in this sense that moves up your spine. And it's a very sweet, sweet energy. I walk out of a Kundalini yoga class feeling uh, light. I feel healed. I feel elevated. I see into people's eyes in, in a state of clarity. I'm released emotions that oftentimes in a Kundalini yoga class, I'll just start crying and releasing these emotions that I've had for months and months and just oh, needed to go through this experience of, of a class to, to uh, release those emotions. It, it works a lot with the energies of the mind and the psyche because when you move up the chakra system, when you move up the spine, you're connecting with all of these energies that I just mentioned. And something's got to heal and something's got to move in order for you to move on with your life. So these are incredible exercises and techniques. And it's not a, it's not a mix and a match. It's very clear it's exactly as Yogi Bhajan taught it. They were exactly recorded. And you have the experience um, like clockwork. And I, I, as a teacher, have experienced this as well where I just follow the set and and it happens. People's kundalini energy awakens. The the sense of consciousness to me, kundalini awakening and rising kundalini is it's really opening your eyes to the reality, seeing the truth in your own life, um, having a, a elevated sense of consciousness so you can see your life clearly, and then reapproach it with more compassion, more kindness, more presence. Um, more love. Um, so, yeah, it's 
It's a it's a practice. It's a yoga practice meant for for people of all walks of life. Yogi Bhajan was really clear. This is not about a particular religion, um, but he taught uh, um, to wear white, and and white, he said, is to um, white is an inclusive color that, in actuality, includes all colors of the spectrum. Um, so in this sense, you become universal, and it also attracts positive energy and allows you to project positive energy. So we wear white. Uh, we cover our heads um, and wrap our hair up at the top of our heads because through the chanting, through the yoga experience, the energy rises up from the base of our spine through the top of our heads. So the hair wrapped in that same sense allows for the energy to flow in the way that it's naturally flowing and connects with the divine. And we cover our heads um, to um, protect and, and sanctify that energy that's, that's passing through us. Um, we wear cotton um, as, as a natural fiber or just natural fibers in general to, um, to have the energy around us clear and free and in a, in a natural state, and we are also vegetarian um, to maintain the clarity uh, within ourselves. Because, as as Yogi Bhajan taught, if you can't digest anything within 72 hours, then it just begins to putrefy and rot in your system. And and he taught that meat um, uh, is we are not able to actually pass it through our system. So there's a lot of like really practical life kinds of things that are also involved in Kundalini Yoga and that's that's why it's more of a lifestyle kind of yoga practice. Um, the other main teaching as well is to have a daily practice as I talked to you about. Um, you know, a friend of mine who who runs a yoga center in Vancouver, was telling me that um, as their yoga center became very successful and people were coming as Kundalini Yoga-based center, people started coming to her. She was the director of the center for asking for advice, for counseling, for things on a more personal level. And she began to really engage with people that way, but then it's like too many people. She didn't have the time Um given all her responsibilities, so she began to just tell people, well, go to the morning practice, do the morning sadhana. And one by one, people went, and their their problems were solved through the through the um, practice of meditation. So Kundalini Yoga is really a lifestyle yoga. It's really about transforming your entire life, because you can't just go and, you know, once a week and have a, a yoga practice that's really far out and amazing, and then, you know, jump right back into behaviors um, and patterns that are, are negative and, and hope that your life will shift. Um, Yogi Bhajan was really clear about that, and he, he wanted people to be able to have um, life transformations, uh, not just to have somebody kind of go to a yoga class and pay their money and leave, but for their lives to actually transform um, and he wanted it accessible for for everyone he would 
he would give advice to airline stewardesses and on the airplane who would who would just come to him and say, help me. He wanted it to be accessible. So this Kundalini Yoga, he's got sets, and I talk to him about him in the, in the present tense. He's left his physical body. But I feel him very much. But he has yoga sets, thousands and thousands, and, and I kid you not, for specifically for women, specifically for men, specifically for meditations for couples, specifically for children, specifically for teenagers, specifically for women experiencing menopause, for premenstrual um, situations, for digestions, for kidneys, for um, being more intuitive, for clearing mental energies, for clearing your past karmas. It's a really, a, a kind of, I'd say, like a diamond-faceted um, type of yoga that has so many aspects because he he wanted the transformation to be whole and complete, um, not just for the individual but for the entire community and for people of all walks of life. Um, so that's um, you know the best I can do in a few minutes to try and convey what Kundalini Yoga is. And Sanatam Kar, to let our listeners know will be at Sounds True's Wake Up Festival, which is taking place August 14th to the 18th in Estes Park. And she'll be offering a pre-festival intensive in sacred chant and some teachings and practices from Kundalini Yoga. That takes place August 12th to the 14th. And then she'll be helping us open the festival on opening night on August 14th. And you can go to wakeupfestival.com for more information about that event. Sanatam's also coming to Boulder, where we are here, Sounds True Studios, and she'll be offering a chanting workshop on February 3rd. And she'll also be in concert for two nights with Peter Cater, February 1st and 2nd at the Unity Church. And if you're interested in more information on either that chanting workshop on the 3rd or the two evenings with Peter Cater, you can find out more information at spiritvoyage.com. Sanatam, we're going to end with hearing a little bit from Ramadasa, and maybe you can introduce this chant for us here at the end of our conversation. Great, yes. Uh, this is a healing mantra that you can do for yourself or to heal anyone in your life or to heal, send healing to um, anyone uh, in the world, entire countries, um, as you wish. It's a really powerful mantra that I've used throughout my life. Um, the words are Ra, Ma, Da, Sa, Sa, Se, So, Hung. And Ra is the energy of the sun. Ma is the energy of the moon. Da is the earth. Sa is infinity. Se Sohang is unto infinity. In every cell and fiber, let there be healing.
Sanatam, your voice and your work, it just so touches my heart. And thank you so much by thy grace that it is uh, flowing through in such a way. Thanks for being with us on Insights at the Edge. Thank you for having me. I feel really honored to um, be able to uh, serve Sounds True and, and be a part of your work. Thank you. Again, Sanatam Carr will be at Sounds True's Wake Up Festival August 14th to the 18th in Estes Park and offering an immersion in sacred chant, a pre-festival workshop, August 12th to the 14th. She'll also be performing right here in Boulder, Colorado for two nights, February 1st and the 2nd at Unity Church with Grammy-nominated pianist Peter Cater, as well as offering a sacred chant workshop on February 3rd. And for more information on those events, you can visit spiritvoyage.com. The three songs that we heard excerpts from as part of this episode of Insights at the Edge are all available through the CD, The Essential Sonatum Car, available through Sounds True. Soundstrue.com. Many voices, one journey. Thanks for listening. <laughs>